Mana 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 this is social disgusting. Welcome to Social Disgusting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I am Brandon, aka Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is a comedian, a writer, and a filmmaker, as well as a co-host of the podcast Russell's Plania. She's got two cartoon cats, and she's a bit of a toxify. I always forget how to pronounce this word. Toxifolite. Who cares? Please what welcome. What does that mean? Oh, hold on. Please welcome <laughs> Rachel Millman. Welcome. Hi. What is it's to so- to hold on toxophilite. It's Is a marshman. Like- oh, oh! I thought you meant. I genuinely. This is how dumb I am. I thought it was like a term of a socialite, but among toxic people. <laughs> <laughs> that that like I thought it was a portmanteau. I'm, Fair enough. Jesus Christ! My brain is. Old milk, man. <laughs> oh no, mine. Mine is basically a room temperature baked potato yeah. these days. It's not good. What's worse is I had that word written down. I even watched one of the little videos pronouncing what the word, how you say it, and then I get to it, and I should have just like written it out phonetically to be able to then yeah. say it, toxophilite. That's how you say it. Toxophilite. When you said filmmaker, I was like, I did that. Oh, I did that. I completely forgot. <laughs> Great. Well, I mean this this year. <laughs> It's funny that as much as this year has been a blur, the blurriness does not just start and stop there. It's now blurred years of memories for me, it feels like. All of this. It doesn't just stop there. Yeah, I mean, for me, everything that's like three years out is seven years ago. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Basically. Which is, I don't know if that's good or bad if the earth that just is. I haven't decided yet. I, you know, I've thought about it to some degree for myself, and and a part of me is like, it's not great. It's not ideal, I suppose. But then again, I mean, what can you do? Like, it's all kind of understandable at the same time. It's hard to beat myself up about anything. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like, the passing of time is indeed a bitch. Yeah. And there's not much I can do about it other than go, oh, wow, that was more time or less time, or wow, I was completely correct in how long ago that event was. For me, the thing that I genuinely lose the most track of, and this is probably, I would love to blame this just on, like, the pandemic and being stuck indoors, but this is, like, this predates, like, pandemic stuff, is being like, wow, that tweet I thought was classic is only from, like, April of last year. (laughs) Like, here's an ultimate example. Do you remember when Dean Norris tweeted sex gifts? Oh, yeah. Only. And like, that's a classic. And that's a classic in a lot of people's minds is like, that tweet is from eight years ago. It is from less than three years ago. Oh, wow. (laughs) I know. That feels like one of those like stamped in time classic to your point. Like, that's a Hall of Fame random tweet from years ago. Yeah, that's that feels like it feels like something out of like how I think it's the 49ers account still has that tweet up that says so hungry need to go, go get my wife and go to P.F. Chang's. <laughs> yeah. But that's from 2009 where that sort of like posting style, I guess, belongs. But instead, like sex gifts is from God, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up right now. This is bad podcasting. You can't even hear me typing. Imagine a thumb tapping on a phone. (laughs) I guess it's the degree by which it's ubiquitous that makes it feel like it's been around forever. Yeah. Dean Norris. His handle is Dean J. Norris Sex Gifts. It's an amazing tweet. So that would be maybe 2017 then? 
18? We're looking it up right now. We're looking okay. it up right now. I just had to like look up his handle so I could do the from at blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry. Because so many people. Oh, no, please. Well, like there's I'm all invested. of the, if you just tweet like his handle and sex gifts, it's like a million people saying sex gifts to him. Exactly. So. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jay Norris sex gifts. It is from 2018. Holy shit. I know. <laughs> I know. That also speaks to my, my COVID-y mindset or, or thought process <laughs> to where that genuinely confounds me that that's possible. <laughs> Such a simple thing can like borderline blow my mind. Speaks to exactly where I'm at mentally. I mean, like, I do love finding sort of, like, those weirder, like, classic tweets that, like, people hadn't seen before. Like, finding all the old P. Diddy tweets from, like, welcome, I'm in the middle of a 10-hour tantric sex session. And everyone, like, if you, like, retweet it, people will be like, how have I never seen this before? What yeah, the yeah. fuck? And you always get new ones each time. Uh, yeah, it's why are bookmarks so are important. Bookmarks are very important at this juncture. In my cursed little life. That's funny. I I need to <laughs> utilize that function more. Yeah, it's really useful. I have one tweet bookmarked, and that's a Harris Whittles tweet, and that's it. Oh, that's really nice. And not to bring it down, but he, you know, his death affected me more than any other quote unquote celebrity death because he was so. It's like you knew him just from podcast appearances. He seems lovely. Yeah, he seemed like a really lovely guy. There's a couple people whose deaths, for whatever reason, like really stuck out to me. My first, here's a fun question for you. Okay. What was the first celebrity death that affected you? And we're talking like as a kid. Okay. So I'm 37. Okay, I'm so, 33. Okay. Whatever. So so we're not dramatically different for that. Which one? Man, you know, I don't know. Maybe because it was such a phenomena, but maybe... Maybe Princess Diana? That is, I have two answers and then that's one of them. Okay. Because that was such like a huge, people are going to listen to this and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? But the- the, (laughs) That was a huge deal. It was gigantic. Based on how young I was and how that seemingly just dominated the news. Yes. Princess Diana and like the news coverage was like, it was like a precursor to like 9-11 almost in terms of like- being a little kid and seeing this nonstop. Well, yeah, and that was at a time not to be like old man on a porch or something, but that was like back at a time before there were 24-hour news cycles to that degree anyway, to where there were so many things like truly dominating the culture, I guess. And that was that was everything. I mean, yeah. even her That's divorce what I mean prior about to that, like culture dominance. It, it was like, huge. Yeah, exactly. So that is... One of them. And the other one for me that, well, that was like big for me as a little kid because like it was my first big exposure to like a news event. There were like a couple other things that I like knew about. Like I knew about like the Oklahoma City bombing and stuff. And I knew about some other things. I was weirdly cognizant of Marlon Brando's actions as a kid. I think because my parents, I think because my parents got copies of TV Guide magazine. But Uh. the first celebrity death that really got me as a kid on like a personalized level was Madeline Kahn. Oh, wow, man. I love her. I love Such her a fan. too, but it's cursed because I had just gotten to know about her on the new Bill Cosby show where she played the nosy neighbor. 
Oh, man. But I was oh. like, I really like this, like, wacky old lady character. And my parents were like, oh, we should show you some other stuff. And they showed me, like, Clue. I was so young that they, like, didn't want me to have to explain what, like, a brothel was. So we waited on History <laughs> of the World. Fair. Um, and then my dad saved Young Frankenstein for a later date. But, like, I was just like, oh, she's really cool. And then, well, I mean, you know, she lived to be, like, a pretty decent age. But it was still, like, very sad for me for some reason well i guess because like it's you were just introduced to her and then she was taken away from you yeah i was i was a kid first starting to develop like media opinions and starting to have my own understanding of like what performers i liked and what media i enjoyed and so like i had made my decision and it's just like also what are you doing you're a child and this is an old lady shouldn't (laughs) but it was like i was i was you know I'm weird. I'm a weirdo or whatever the quote is where I was just like, this is what I like. I was young and I was affected by a former princess turned, I guess, humanitarian. But to your point, when you were talking about that you were a TV guide house, we were a People magazine house. Ooh. So we had all that information. So I had all of that seeped in my head about the divorce and they, you know, they got as much out of it as they could, People magazine. How fascinating is it that People magazine is like considered like the good and friendly and kind gossip magazine when it absolutely (laughs) perpetuated all of these like horrific media cycles that literally wound up killing a woman no i agree and they're still like considered to be like the kind and friendly and like respectable tabloid but they're a tabloid it's almost like maybe it was just somehow it's still exists because it's always existed like it's been grandfathered in Mm -hmm. and somehow it just rides off of that weird reputation Here's the weird thing. I randomly just thought about, oh, I know what the first issue of People Magazine was. And that was a cover about the making of the Great Gatsby movie with Mia Farrow and Robert Redford. That was the cover. Wow. That's how long this has been around. Yeah. I wish I didn't know that, but I know that. (laughs) We had a copy of like the... Of like the 25th anniversary magazine that I thumbed through. And it was how I learned about like Jessica the baby in the well. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> because like Man. they did a bunch of like big news events from the past like 25 years and stuff they had some really horrific ones in there but now that i mention it i'm going to try to go on ebay and see if i can buy a copy i do kind of want to go through old just to randomly google like people magazine covers just to see what they're did because it was weekly i think so yeah, weekly so it was, we were getting, I was constantly inundated with, you know, pre-ish or inter-internet like celebrity gossip constantly. And that's not good for the brain, I don't think. But No, but a lot of things are really bad for it. So <laughs> Fair. who cares? Oh, yeah. It was the 1999 25th anniversary issue magazine. The Something very funny on the subheader on this for the eBay listing is pre-owned. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no shit no <laughs> shit wow it's pre-owned that's fucking crazy can i curse on this podcast that's absolutely fucking crazy <laughs> yeah 22 years after it was originally published <laughs> you know what it did not come from the people organization the people headquarters <laughs> pre-owned <laughs> like new <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny that's amazing that's such yeah. a great little detail <laughs> pre-owned really pre-owned no yeah <laughs> but that's the shit i giggle at i think that's fun i did want to ask you this is this is me going professional who oh i know the hardcore 
questions. Question. The word that I couldn't say before. How did you get into archery? I know that's something you got into during all this, right? Yeah. So I I have a one of my very good friends. His name is Alex Arbuckle. He is one of the fortunate few to have a yard in North Brooklyn. And he bought a bow and arrow in like the first month of it, of all of this garbage. And my dad and stepmom, when the housing crash hit, they were like, oh shit, we can buy property for very cheap right now. And they bought a piece of property in the Adirondacks. And then my dad literally built a cabin on the premises and they put out like a second mortgage on their house and like dug a well there and stuff. So I have I could I have access to it a decent amount of the year. So I went up there with Alex and a couple of other friends and I was like, "Hey, can I try the bow and arrow? I've never actually tried this." And I immediately was like very comfortable with it and I think on like my 12th arrow, I got a bullseye and wow. Alex and Alex said one of the nicest things that anybody could ever say to me in that moment, which was you are terrifying. So that's how I got into <laughs> archery. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a target hanging over my bed right now because I figured that was the best place to store it. Fair. Yeah. I know people who got into, not that they were like trying to be this character, but you know, in the wake of Katniss Everdeen and and uh, what whatever. Oh, the... no, there's, there's concurrent fads that make sense with that. Yeah, no, I get it. And especially in a way of bringing kind of a hobby or perspective hobby to light kind of in the cultural zeitgeist that you never would have considered. You're like, oh, that's fun. That could be really interesting. So I knew friends got into it as a result of that. And it always seemed fun. But yeah, I mean, in terms of a COVID era, quarantine era hobby, that's one of the better ones because that could be pretty isolating in a good way. Yeah, like as long as you don't hit anyone's dog, you don't have to interact. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> as you don't have to like interact with anybody like... In the early stages, we were like, you can't touch anybody or anything. Like, there were like, there's very little points of touch. The thing about it that I found really, really, it really was just like a very good, it felt like a rhythmic cycle mm -hmm. where of just like, you know, being able to just like get the flow going of just like shooting a bunch of arrows. But I did learn a very fun thing, which is that gender is fake, but. If you are born female, your elbows tend to hyperextend more. And that was how I got like some extremely gnarly bruises all along my left forearm from like just the elastic like slapping along it time and time and time again. <laughs> <laughs> and like I had a bunch of people because I would obviously, you know, like. I would tweet out the bruises because they were gnarly and people would be like, oh, you got to learn to do this right. And it's like, one, fuck you. Two, <laughs> I literally like physically it is a thing that I cannot help. And so I learned a lot about like arm shields and bruise protectors and stuff. But it's really fun and I'm excited to get back into it because I haven't been able to for the last couple of months because it's cold. Uh, and I cannot yeah. shoot arrows in my apartment because I will kill probably at least one of my cats. And I don't feel like doing that today, at least. Let me say on the nation's behalf, thank you for not <laughs> taking one of your cats off. For not cats out. Taking out Bucket, yeah. <laughs> Everyone loves him. Yeah, I had a cat question. So yeah. are your cats, I know Meryl and Bucket, yes. are they are they like the most cat-like cats in the history of cats? Are they cartoon cats? What exactly is their makeup? I think everyone, like, okay, everyone's cat acts like an apex cat to a degree because that's yes. that's what they are i have a cat for the record 
So yes, I agree. Yeah, everyone's cat is an apex cat, but I think the reason that they have big be- well, it's also pretty easy to. I will say this: it is if you want to portray any animal as like a cartoonish buffoon, it's really easy to selectively put stuff online. But I will say that the way I present Bucket online, he is legitimately like that, like all the time and i just kind of stumbled into having these two like really lovely in no one else's opinion just mine like two really like beautiful animals one of whom is a perfect being and the other one is bucket (laughs) (laughs) sorry it's fun it's fun to nag him but yeah no they're really like lovely and i really was not planning i are you familiar with how i got bucket I know that a, a bucket was involved. So for the people listening to this, I had one cat. Her name is Meryl. We love her. Queen Mare Mare. Go off. Go off, Queen. <laughs> Pre-pandemic, I had been feeding a feral cat colony in Bushwick for a really long time. And then during, I started just like talking about it more because I was living an hour from them. And again, this is like early stages of the pandemic where it's like, you can't go anywhere and do anything. So nobody had any idea how this shit spread and now we know and i was living an hour from where they were so i would walk an hour there to feed them at night and an hour home and it was the way i stayed sane it was the way i was able to go to bed at night because otherwise you know how it is if you don't do anything and you're not exhausted and you have lost your job like you can't get a normal sleep schedule in absolutely not it like gave you a ritual it gave me a ritual exactly exactly and i was not planning on getting a second cat but a friend of my roommates somebody in her building knew somebody i don't remember i was like told like hey you work with cats right please this kitten he needs a home and like the person I was talking to was freaking out and they were like, he's going to die if you don't get it home, which like, no, he was not, but whatever. <laughs> and then I had, I was like, fine, I can hold a kitten for real. <laughs> the concept of like holding a kitten for a week is very funny. Like, hey, yeah. can I, can I hold some weed for a week? No, <laughs> can I hold a cat for a week? Uh, and I had a kitten dropped off in my apartment and I was like, I assumed it would be like a 12 week old kitten. And then what I think is an eight week old kitten, but what actually turned out to be a five week old kitten is dropped in my apartment, is dumped in my apartment in a literal bucket. And I reached in to pet this like terrified little creature and the like 23 year old boy who found him in a yard in Greenpoint was like, oh, you're the first person that's ever touched him. And I was like, come again. And that's how I wound up keeping a cat. (laughs) That'll do it. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, I will say this is that I was really unsure on it, on keeping him for the first couple of weeks, because if Meryl hadn't taken to him, then I wouldn't have gone for it because she was the first priority. And like, she is in some ways my best friend. And it was really tantamount to me to not sacrifice one animal's happiness over keeping another. That was very adorable. But I'm happy that, for the most part, they get along, even if he does annoy her very regularly. (laughs) But I think to your point, though, like, the idea of, I mean, this is a cat, you you know, Meryl, where that's a safe space. That's her happy place. To get disrupted by these two animals might not get along at all. Well, she also, Meryl had kittens before I adopted her. Uh, and when cats have had kittens and they're fixed they kind of are just like no keep young away from me i've done this once and i am over it and you literally removed like the like some parts that give me like the mothering instinct and i don't like this so female cats can get like very very territorial but she likes them now and she like 
thank God beat him up enough when he was a baby <laughs> that even though he's much larger than her now, she's still the alpha. Good. Keep him honest. Well, I mean, you know, they're now teaming up to do chicken heists, I guess, from oh the refrigerator. That was unbelievable. I They stole a whole damn turkey leg out of my <laughs> That's what it was. Okay. I could not believe it. I was like texting a friend and was in like the middle of a story and I was like, hang on. Oh my God. <laughs> Look at what these animals just did. Just like lost my mind. They teamed up to steal because I had between like Thanksgiving and like making a big meal because I made Thanksgiving. I did not go home for Thanksgiving. My... One roommate and I just had like a big frozen bowl in our freezer full of like bird parts. And I was like, I feel like making a big old soup. So let me just defrost a turkey leg in the fridge overnight. And uh, the cats, they already love to like go in the fridge and sniff around when I have it open. And like I made the mistake of tying a dish towel to the fridge door. And I think they like anchored it and pulled on it and got in there. <laughs> And they stole the goddamn turkey leg. They scavenged. That's amazing. I could not. They're cartoons. They may have stolen like <laughs> a fish skeleton. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I, 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 oh my God. Oh my, I, I'm thinking about it again and it's bad audio to have somebody go, oh my God, I cannot fucking believe this happened for like 20 minutes. Bad audio. I'm trying to be good To be audio. fair, that was part of the reason why I described them in my head of, as cartoon cats. They're cartoons. Because it's the most cat-like thing they could possibly do. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's so great. This is something completely unrelated. But I've talked to a lot of people on this show in general who have done a lot of different things like graduated virtually. And I thought I had a second example. I got nothing. I've attended several weddings. That's I the thing. I attended a memorial service. Oh, wow. How was the wedding? The weddings were wonderful. Oh, I did it. I managed to arrange a secret Santa over Zoom, which was fun. Was that logistically complicated? So actually, it was a white elephant because my friends and I every year, I stole this from another friend of mine. Their name is Matt Lubchansky. And what they call it is Spite Elephant. I call it Shitty White Elephant because I already stole the concept and it would be unfair to steal the name and pass it off as my own. Fair enough. Rebranded. Yeah, you know. But all credit to them and my friends in Astoria, like Pilot and Jaya, etc. But we do a white elephant where the, the purpose is to do a shitty gift every single year and like part of the fun is opening them in person and doing steals because you don't just want a shitty gift you want a shitty gift that's like sort of cool but yes i arranged it in that we had to oh i arranged two secret santas over zoom i forgot i did the other one <laughs> completely forgot absolutely slipped my mind where we like had all of the presents dropped in one location and then we did pickups and we couldn't do steals but we like opened them up over Zoom and it was a lot of fun. And then I did a regular Secret Santa Slack I made. That was really lovely. And we had a really nice time with that one. That's nice. That's a, yeah. Those are fun ways to bridge the quarantine, you know, quote unquote normal life gap to some degree. Yeah. I mean, like now it's become, and I'm sure after this, we're either never going to think about it again or be like, oh my God, that's horrifying. Instead of being like, hey, who wants to go get a beer? It's my group chats are always like, hey, who wants to hop on a Zoom? Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, hey, if that's, at the very least, there's kind of like a middle ground of, that's an option too. Yeah. Going forward, because 
that is something I think about a lot or have been lately about like, okay, I get vaccinated. Then what? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to get sick. I can't afford to get sick. Not like anybody can, but as somebody who is immunocompromised. Oh, geez. This could be one and done for me. Like, truly, not yeah. to be dramatic, but truly. Yeah. So I'm like very cognizant of that. I got sick and I got very, very lucky with how comparatively minimally sick I got. Oh, really? Yeah. I tested on the 20th of December and I got my positive on the 21st. Sucked! <laughs> how long were you symptomatic, I guess? So the weird part is, is that my diagnosis was, it was like mid, early to mid-December. I woke up one day and was like, I feel like... And it was apropos of nothing. I was like, I feel like absolute dog shit. And I slept for three whole days, had like no appetite, was like totally weak. And was like, all right, I need to get tested for COVID. I never lost taste or smell. And I went and got tested. I got managed to schedule a testing on the fourth day all the way up in the Bronx. So I went up to the Bronx and like went out of my way to like double mask and like tell, and this is before like, oh, you should probably double mask was the thing. Yeah. Double mask and like told every single person there like, hi, I am feeling under the weather. If you want to like take a birth from me, go for it. And they were like, thank you for telling us. Most people don't. I'm good. You're fine. Thank you. <laughs> and then I tested negative. And I was like, great, cool. I just have some regular regular flu. And then I was because my parents are only three hours north and I was like considering going home because I had purposely skipped Thanksgiving because my logic at the time was like I can't do both yeah I can only do one or the other and I was like let me skip Thanksgiving to try to see my family because that seems like the smarter move I can like arrange my travel schedule so that it's you know, not as during the frequent times because I'm unemployed right now. So it doesn't matter as much that I have to be home by like a certain day or time. And I was like, but let me get tested first because no one likes a pandemic asshole and you do not <laughs> want to kill your stepmom. Uh, and I got tested and then I got the positive. So I didn't go home. <laughs> and like, it's really like, you know, looking back, if I had tested negative and gone home, I probably would have some form of guilt over it. And because, you know, like, I don't know about you, like, we all observe, like, of, like, some forms of pandemic shaming, and I think the big unspoken thing is, is that we all have internal, like, pandemic policing towards yeah. other people, and it's just a question of what we make public and what we keep pri- entirely private and what we just, like, talk to our friends about in private. And that's been the big thing for me in terms of, like, observing the pandemic or whatever is, like, what is appropriate to bring to the table in terms of complaint? What needs to just be a my problem that I work out in my little head for 15 minutes? Yeah, it's yeah. tough. You know, I know what you mean, though, because, say, look, there's no there's no playbook for this. There's no, like, this is the correct way to do it. Follow these steps and we'll do that. But it also, though, feels like there is a defined wrong way to do it also. Yeah. And everybody defines it differently. And all I know for me is that I know the idea of getting anybody sick mortifies me. I would do everything in my power oh, to, for that, that to is, never happen. That is never. like the huge guilt that I feel is because I had just tested negative on like December 8th. So like I stopped and talked to a friend inside her apartment for five minutes. We had masks on the whole time. I'm not doing like this socially distance. We were going on <laughs> vacation. Like we were genuinely wearing masks the whole time because we were like, I don't want to risk it. And I felt such deep 
severe. I still do to, in a sense, such deep, severe guilt for potentially exposing her. She didn't get sick. Thank God. No one I saw got sick, which felt impossible in a couple of instances. No one got sick. But, like, along with, like, oh, my God, I have this thing, but also, like, the deep, severe, terrifying guilt I felt was just overwhelming. So I can't imagine if I had, like, gone home. Even if I had gotten no one sick and I hadn't tested positive. I can't. I The number of the, the fear number it would have done on my brain would have been terrible. Yeah, I mean, but that just goes to show, too, how, how easy it can be for that to happen. Even if yeah. you take all the precautions of the world, you know, you get a negative test, even a, maybe a false positive, whatever the case may be. There's so many circumstances where you can become that person despite doing everything you can to mitigate that risk, to prevent it. It's very easy. I got it at the dang grocery store. You know, like I didn't get it from going like, oh, well, maybe if we dined outside or like none of the things, none of the things that like you can probably see people. And again, I'm not judging just saying like the things that you can see people doing where like they sort of justify or quantify maybe not the best call. Yeah, I didn't get it from those. I got it from buying cereal and cranberry <laughs> juice. And a turkey that's about to be snatched by a little <laughs> little cartoon cats. But that's what's that's what's almost that's what's almost like weirdly insidious about this is that you can take every precaution and then get sick, but then some people can go to like fucking Fort Lauderdale, Florida and spit in each other's mouths and they don't ever get sick. Like it just you don't know how it's gonna go. Are you gonna spit in someone's mouth once you get the vaccine? Uh, it's tempting. I mean, uh, right? Okay, yeah. You know, you want to go back to pre-COVID times, don't we? Yeah. Are you going to spit in someone's mouth or you're going to have your mouth spat in? You know, I'd like to think it might be a twofer, but I'm a giver. Oh, yeah. So I don't really feel it's right to be equitable so in that regard. So your, your spit verse is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, yes, I am notably spit verse. Let it never be said otherwise. <laughs> I do think about like what now what it's a great problem to have if you are vaccinated and that's great but I'm like I can't go back fully to I'm just gonna go to theater like I did pre-COVID but I also want to eventually go back to that to going to a movie in the theater at the same time okay yeah I feel like some things for people like come in like personal waves where like you will be like wow i really missed this this week and then sometimes i feel like the waves will be communal like about a month ago every single person i know was like i miss going to the movies (laughs) (laughs) and i was one of them and like i do it just kind of like cropped up out of nowhere of like oh my god i missed the movies so bad it was about it was in January because the last movie I saw was in February 16th, the Alamo Draft House. Did you see the Drunk Coach movie? No, I saw Birds of Prey. It was That's fine. not bad. No, actually, based on what I expected and what I got, complete delight. The last two movies I saw in the theater, and I'm a devout film lover, despite what I'm about to say, I saw Cats and The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> and I can't, I can't undo those two things. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people's last movie was cats yeah and i did it as a joke with a friend about like wouldn't it be fun if we saw cats and then within five minutes we were like what did we do so i saw cats cats was the first broadway musical i saw in the fifth grade okay i sell my shirt from it oh nice yeah i know it's kind of like a, a collector's I item it, i consider it a, a collector's item slash heirloom <laughs> i was a little kid so i liked it and then i grew up and was like what the 
fuck was that? It is a weird musical. The Cats trailer dropped during one of the worst times of my my personal life and i was so depressed and it was the first thing that vaulted me out of that brain to to, like maniacally tweet for 45 minutes the fuck is going on (laughs) (laughs) and i saw it with my dad and we got shithouse wasted at the world of beer at the mall <laughs> at Crossgates Mall. And then like as I'm like downing my third beer in like 20 minutes before we go see this thing, my dad was like, you know, I was going to ask if you wanted to do mushrooms. I don't know if it's your first time, but I was going to ask if you wanted to do mushrooms. And then I said, eh, we got to drive home. And I was like, dad, we have lift. <laughs> I was so <laughs> sad. But, like, also, the that fact that between, like, father and fail daughter, my father was the one who was like, do you want to do drugs <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night at the mall? That, well, that's, yeah. that's a sentence. That's yeah. a sentence. Yeah. In a world of beer. <laughs> that would have been an amazing experience. I can tell you that would have enhanced that experience in a net positive way because I saw it just in an afternoon, still cold sober with a friend, and I've genuinely never been more confused by a movie. <laughs> so here's my big take on cats. Okay. If it had been 45 minutes, it would be perfect. That's fair. Like, That's- it had a lot of frenetic, weird energy, but like, it didn't have enough energy within the film to carry that sort of like maniacal bullshit for the whole runtime. And it should have been 45 minutes because then I would have I would own it on Blu-ray. I would be petitioning Criterion only semi-ironically. <laughs> you know, as much as like that, well, this year has been a blur, let alone that movie as I was watching it felt like a blur. The Jason Derulo part was really exciting. I thought... The very minimal part that Taylor Swift had, I thought she was excellent. That was her dad's idea to add the catnip element. Really? That is bizarre. I will unpack that later. But I do think that out of a lot of the people there, she was the one who kind of looked around and said, all right, I need to bring like cheesecake high school theater kid energy to this. Now, some may say that that's the only only energy she has, (laughs) but I have been properly scared of Stan armies, so I'm not saying that that that's me saying it. But I do think that she brought the exact right singing in a fake British accent energy that you needed to bring to this weird ass production. Like it's much weirder <laughs> to play that movie straight than it is to lean into the genuine bat shittery of it all. Yeah. Cuz it really is. I mean, cuz then you have Judy Dench who was like all, who played like, it straight. She was going for an Oscar. Yeah, she was, but she she goes for an Oscar no matter what in my humble if humble She got an Oscar for 8 minutes in Shakespeare in Love. Yeah. So yeah, she knows it's in play at any point she can get an Oscar. And fair enough, she's a legend. And we even got the pre-patch version where you got to see her hands in that one scene at the end. Oh my god, the hands were so funny! It was amazing. It was really good. Yeah, I just like, I would kill for a recording of every single person's inner monologue through that whole thing. Because I really want to know who like was like, yes, I need to get in character. I need to be method. Well, I can tell you, James Corden was very much like that, guaranteed. Because that dude, God, I can't stand him. Yeah, but, worse. Yeah, he's pretty awful. He's pretty awful. He should hire me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's awful. It's dog shit. 
dog shit. I think Jason Derulo brought the right energy of, I'm just happy to be here. I think that was also, I have to say that was also Idris Elba. He was great. He was great in it. The whole thing is bizarre. The whole thing is completely, (laughs) completely bizarre. (laughs) It's a lot. It's all a lot. It is somehow yet still more comprehensible than the Rise of Skywalker. So more power to him. Still not seen it. Well, you know what? Here's my review. You're good. I figured I was good. (laughs) You're good. It's for the best. I a lot of other things you could be doing. I have no interest in this because, like, I had already watched the final Avengers movie that year, and I was like, I'm good. I don't need any more bullshit. (laughs) I'm yeah, fine. I will say that to wrap this up in another controversial way, but I didn't watch WandaVision because I'm like, all of this shit feels like homework. Oh, okay. I figured you were going to go in a slightly different direction Oh no! with superhero movies and my run-ins with fandoms. I am kind of nearly impressed at how much WandaVision shit the bed. <laughs> it was like really, because like, you know, I don't need, in 2021, if I am logging into Disney Plus, definitely with my own login, and I am not stealing somebody else's if Disney is listening. I did not do that. Absolutely all above board. Please continue. Uh, uh uh-huh. Totally. (laughs) If I'm doing that, and I'm tuning into WandaVision, I do not think I'm going to be watching The Sopranos 2. I know I am tuning into WandaVision. I know where to put the bar, which is in hell. And, like, for the first two episodes, I was like, oh, this is actually, this is pretty, this is pretty neat garbage. I loved this, I loved this fast, casual meal of entertainment bucket. If you do not stop trying to break into the goddamn catnip drawer, I will beat you. Um, (laughs) Real Taylor Swift over there. I'm going to kill him. I will beat him. No, like, if I'm tuning into WandaVision, bars in hell. And I was like, oh, this is actually like pretty cute, pretty fun concept. We are not reinventing the wheel, but I am having a nice time. And then it was like this concept where I understood what was happening. And every single watcher can be like, oh, yeah, this is kind of about her trauma. And then they just were like, why don't we explain this incredibly obvious concept and then just ruin it? So, hey, we know you're fucking idiots. Yeah. So let's. Let's yeah. spell this out in crayon yeah, as much like, as we can. Every single actor involved in it was good, but like for some reason it also like and like, you know, I'm very well aware that like the Pentagon funds a lot of these movies oh, as yeah. propaganda. But for whatever reason, like, especially, you know, having a year off from these movies and like getting angry all the time about like the way like the parts of the government that i hate affect our lives this for some reason was the one where i was like no this is all fucking propaganda and i'm so angry like making randall park who i really like and i think is a really really like entertaining charismatic guy making him be like the fun wacky fbi agent i was like i was was mad Brandon, I was mad. He's so talented. He's and so to be, talented. To get be that, thrown away. Get like that, that check, buddy. Absolutely get that check. Tayona Paris, you know, they're setting you up for a couple movies. Get the money. Get syndication. Fuck. But, like, it just made me angry. Which is not... I should not be feeling any emotion about WandaVision. 
Well, that's the thing, though. I do have that kid-like reaction of, like, I know this shouldn't matter, this shouldn't bother me, but the fact that I'm bothered then bothers me, and then I get annoyed. Yeah. You know, it's all this reciprocal stupid shit. But at the same time, like, some of that stuff is frustrating. Like, if you look at the Russo brothers, they take themselves laughably seriously. Oh, yeah, the thing that they put before Cherry or whatever Yes. Is so funny. But, like, in terms of, like, getting mad about something and having sincere opinions, my friend Elby came up with this policy that I started enacting for myself today and i think it's really good okay please. which is that every time i tweet a sincere opinion on something i have to do 10 squats <laughs> okay okay <laughs> which is like as an opinionated and annoying person going to work out for me <laughs> going to work out for me i have I like takes it. on dua lipa at the grammys 20 squats <laughs> That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's good. If I continue the discourse, I have to put curls in too with my little (laughs) baby like 10 pound weight. (laughs) That's good though. Like, you know, (laughs) if you you need to put it out there, you can get a workout in. But it also contextualizes like, well, I'm tired. How much do I really need this opinion? (laughs) Well, I think that's also very helpful because like, especially in my online experience, I always manage to like trip backwards into pissing off an entire fandom without even yeah well like sometimes you know sometimes you know you think you're like taking a little piss into the wind and then you didn't realize that you were pissing into a tornado and that happened with me with a specific fandom that uh is still going for seven months now i'm getting yelled at wow yeah i'll ask about that post podcast oh i'm sure you can figure out which one probably i have i have my assumption yeah, but sure like they're so psychotic that I'm sure at least one of them will listen to this and be like, "I, I she may have stolen Disney Plus." Shut the fuck up. <laughs> First of all, she didn't, and she's open to any jobs courtesy of Disney. Please, I, I love that for me. All yes. about it, Robert Iger. If you're still there, if you're not, doesn't matter. Please, Walt I'll take skull. one too. Walt, your skull looks great. It looks like <laughs> handsome. It looks healthy. It looks alive. It looks cognitive. Oh. Hire me to dust it. What a beautiful frozen head. <laughs> oh, well, that's a great way to end this show. Many are saying this frozen head is beautiful. <laughs> what a beautiful frozen head. Just, <laughs> oh, just an immaculate disembodied head. Mm, flot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what, what all um, do you want to point people toward before we wrap it up? Um, If you liked this episode and you do not <laughs> follow me on social media and you want to do that for some reason godspeed and good luck my handle (laughs) is the same across twitter and instagram it's rachel millman if you like to watch somebody's cats every night in a parking lot in brooklyn you can watch that on my instagram stories every night i feed uh these three wonderful cats elvis Dottie, and goose uh, if you like pro wrestling, I have a podcast that I've been really bad about putting out in the past year called WrestleSplania, uh, and it's just me hosting it now, Okay, which is why I've been really bad about putting it out. And if you like documentaries about gerrymandering reform, oh my fucking God, do I have a thing for you? I have, oh, a, you're docu- I have a documentary I made about it with my dad called Line in the Street. And if you like to um, give people money so they can buy a new iPhone... My Venmo is Rachel hyphen Millman. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Got to get these great Apple products and their awful customer service. Got to get them under wraps. I'm mad. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. This was great. Thank you for inviting me. 
on. Yeah. I really, uh, I really appreciate being considered. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again, and uh, thank you all Brandon, for listening. Brandon, if people yes. are listening to this via me, how can they find you? Oh, wow, you're good at this. Uh, it is at snark underscore twain at uh, Instagram and at inquisitive dick. Is on... your is your finsta like uh, Samuel like Clemens or like some sort of like sarcastic Clemens or something like that? It's I mean that should be your finsta. Okay, I need to do that then. Yeah. And yeah, I mean I wish it was a bit. It was just me like that's a pithy little play on that snark and uh, Twain and that's fun. So yeah, I need to change it. I tried to get insta Kelsey Grammar. But of course, no. Somebody already had that. That's so, a really good one. But yes, snark underscore Twain. Maybe I'm going to do a a refresh, and then I'll be a, a Southern dandy. Well, no, you should. I feel like your finsta should be some sort of like play on words with like sardonic Clemens or something like that. Ooh, okay. I yeah. gotta like you can have a main account and then you can have like a side account. I that's made good. a Saudi account because I got booted from Twitter for a week, and I'm having oh, a lot right. more fun over there because less people are yelling at me. Fair. Probably more liberating. <laughs> well, I had one person yell at me on behalf of Brad Garrett, but that was an outlier. <laughs> wow. You, wow. You angered the Garrett heads out there. The one. And like, okay. frankly, uh, I didn't anger them. They were just like very aggressive in correcting me on something, and then I looked at their Twitter feed, and I shit you not... It was all the same updates about Brad Garrett and then one thing that was doubting the existence of non-binary people. And I was like, what oh. the fuck is going on? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, you had a... Um... I was like, uh, for the record, anybody listening, they're wrong. Wow, a pedantic Garrett head. Wow, what a piece a, of shit. A turf Garrett head. God Brad damn. would be disappointed, I feel. I Yeah. Brad yeah, I seems so. like he's cool about gender. I would hope so. I would hope so. Yeah. He seems indifferent toward the world, but that's okay too. There's value in that. So fair enough. Yeah. Fuck that uh that pedantic Brad Garrett esque turf, but uh pro Brad Garrett. This is a pro Brad Garrett podcast. And thank you for listening to listening. Thank you for listening to it. Take care. Wear seven masks or two, but wear them and uh stay safe. Bye. Bye. Bye.